Atlanta News First investigates the largest investigative team in Georgia, holding the powerful accountable and fighting for you. Now, in this series of podcasts, we take you behind the scenes of our most recent investigations. Welcome to Behind the Investigation with Atlanta News First. Another shock out of the Fulton County Jail, an inmate stabbed to death. LaShawn Thompson was found uh, face down in the toilet in his cell, and he was covered in insects. The eighth victim, Sam Lawrence, who wrote a letter asking for help just four days before his death. His last words was, get help, please. And now the Justice Department is launching an investigation. It will cost roughly $40 million per year to move roughly 1,000 inmates out of the region and out of the state. I got a detainee that wants to talk to you all. I had knives put to my throat, and I had to call my mom telling them, please wire somebody some money or I'm going to be killed. Those inmates are not props. They are people. Let's stop playing politics while folks are dying. Take a look. Here are the faces of the 10 people who died in the county's custody. Attorneys comparing the jail to Gitmo, the infamous Guantanamo Bay detention camp in Cuba. You are holding people for long periods of time without charging them with a crime. No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. Until we address those systemic harms that have led to the death of so many in custody, we will continue to see these problems. Welcome to Behind the Investigation. I'm Atlanta News First Chief Investigator Brendan Keefe, and I'm joined by Investigator Andy Parati. Uh, you just saw a teaser of what we're calling Georgia's Gitmo, an extraordinary series of investigative reports focusing not really just on the jail in Fulton County, but also the system that allows all of this to happen. First off, Andy, where did you get the idea for this story and why is it so important to you? You know, so a few months ago, I was interviewing a Atlanta criminal defense attorney. His name is Andrew Fleischman, and he was telling me some stats about the jail that I had not heard of before, saying that there were a number of individuals who were in the jail who had not been indicted yet, people not formally charged with the crime. And I, I, when he told me that, I, I was like, how is that possible? And he said, yeah, it's, it's happening. These people are arrested, but they're waiting in an indictment from the district attorney's office. And he said at that moment, it's just like Gitmo. It's like our own Gitmo, which is an acronym for Guantanamo Bay Detention Camp in Cuba, which has held suspected enemy combatants for decades without trial. So that's how the name came about, and that's how I became interested in it. I'm really interested in this subject matter to begin with because it's a it's sort of been in my wheelhouse for years, uh, covering jails, covering people in jails, covering people in prisons. And as you know, we've been covering the crisis of Fulton County Jail for the past year, and it just seemed like there needed to be more attention put on this issue with so many people unfortunately dying in the jail, not convicted of a crime, simply waiting for their day in court. You know, before we watch the story uh, and this extraordinary series of stories that you're doing, uh, it's important to point out that the Fulton County Jail is notorious uh, nationally now mm -hmm. uh, after some of the uh, Donald Trump, former president of the United States and other defendants were processed there. Uh, and uh, you know, a lot of people talked about the number of deaths there, but a lot of the reporting has been superficial. Mm -hmm. It's looked at sort of the statistics from 40,000 feet. 
what you really do is look at the uh, underlying problem. I mean, what I love about investigative reporting is we don't just go and look for the simple surface answer. We keep digging till we hit bedrock and you find the systemic and institutional failures. Um, and I don't want to spoil it too much before we listen to the story. Uh, but what you really did is you went to all of the power players mm -hmm. and really held them accountable for their role in the fact that so many people are not only awaiting trial, many without representation, uh, but some of them haven't been indicted, and they're in there for weeks, months, years, um, and, and even one longer than a decade awaiting trial on charges. Because, again, it's important to point out, I know you and I have talked about this a lot, but the jail is not a prison. It's not where you're generally sentenced to go to serve out a sentence after you've been adjudicated. It's where you're awaiting trial on charges. Most of these people are in there for pretrial detention. Uh, there's a smaller population that's in there because they've been sentenced to a year or less in jail. Um, and as a result, they're innocent till proven guilty. Is, is that part of why you wanted to do this story too? Yeah, you hit on all the things of why this is so important and really getting down to the why is the jail the way it is? And we did exactly what you just mentioned. We went to the four most powerful elected individuals in the county that have the most influence into what happens at the jail and the people inside. We're talking about the sheriff, the district attorney, the county chairman, and the chief superior court judge. We sat down with all of them. Some of them as close to an hour. So in addition to putting them together in the story that you're about to listen and, and watch, um, we posted the raw interviews in this story on our website because we want to be completely transparent and explaining what they have to say about the issue and holding them accountable for their part. And I know we do have a lot of uh, followers who are students or fellow investigative reporters. Folks, this is a master class in how to do investigative interviews uh, to get the interview subject comfortable enough to essentially get down to the rock bottom truth. Let's listen to the story. We'll talk about it on the other end. It really like scarred me for life. The Anthony Tolbert has never served in the military, but says what he witnessed while detained inside the Fulton County Jail felt like war. I, I saw people die. I saw people get stabbed. Atlanta police arrested DeAnthony and his former roommate for murder in 2019. This past July, his attorney argued the district attorney had no proof he was involved. There's no physical evidence that Mr. Tolbert assaulted anybody, fired a gun at anybody, drove the vehicle that night. Frustrated, the 25-year-old spoke out in court. After waiting four and a half years behind bars to prove his innocence, the jury found him not guilty. How did this impact your mental health? I ain't even gonna lie to you, it tore me up. I'm scared right now because I don't have nobody. I don't have a support team. When I got out, it's like they don't even have programs to help people in my situation. Like, I really did lose everything. Like, even my kids, like, I can't even have my family no more. He lost his home, lost his job, and he almost lost his life. Stab right here. Each marking on his back and arms, stab wounds from knives and shanks. Right there, right there, 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 there. They just, they just keep going. And this all happened at the jail? Yeah. I mean, are you surprised that you're alive? Yeah. 
I thank God for it every day. An Atlanta News First investigation uncovered the Anthony is one of hundreds of people inside the county jail waiting extraordinary lengths of time for their day in court. Overcrowding the jail caused by an unprecedented backlog of criminal cases. County records show as of September, at least 690 people detained more than a year in jail, 142 waiting three years and at least 19 people waiting more than five. That includes 61-year-old Daryl Lowe, who has waited 13 years behind bars for his trial date. None of them convicted of a crime, all of them in the sheriff's custody. Fulton County Sheriff Pat Labot. Are you frustrated when you hear these numbers? Well, I'm not frustrated. Let me tell you why I'm not frustrated. I knew when I took office, I knew when I ran for office, that the system was broken. I just didn't know how broken. The court backlog impacts more than people accused of crimes. Victims and their families suffer too. We're back on the record with State versus Jerez Sanders. This past August, Latarsia Gaither takes a seat inside a Fulton County courtroom waiting for a verdict she worried would never happen. Facing Duress Sanders, accused of killing her longtime boyfriend, Timothy Jackson, and two others at this home in 2013. I needed justice to move on. I need this to move on. Latarsia is the one who found Timothy dead inside. You go down the hallway, there's a bedroom to your left, and um, there's two bedrooms. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, finding somebody that, that you love and care about with their head blown off like that. That took a lot from me. It, it destroyed me. A jury found Derez guilty of murder, but he sat in Fulton County's jail for nearly 10 years until his trial. I felt like my life was on hold. Like, I couldn't move on because I needed closure from this. Was your jail ever intended to house someone 10 years waiting for trial? Well, the direct answer is no. We were never intended as a penitentiary or as a state prison. It is a pretrial facility. The sheriff says when the jail was built in 1989, it was almost immediately over capacity. Sections of it are now falling apart. Labada is calling for a new, bigger detention center focused on mental health services. Estimated cost to taxpayers, more than a billion dollars. But if the backlog is not addressed, is not fixed, what will new jail do? It, would it even matter? Well, it certainly matters. And we've advocated for a replacement jail. This jail is, when you, when you look at your home, you look at a single-family home that was built to house a single family, and then the day it was open, you have multiple families in that home. The pipes weren't rated for that. The, the lighting wasn't rated for that. The walls weren't rated for that. And that's what has occurred here. Sheriff Labat says his office is caught between the district attorney's office and judges, waiting for them to move cases along, while his jail and the people inside suffer the consequences. I think there's enough blame to go around. I can tell you who's not to blame. Not to blame is the sheriff's office. Enter Fulton County District Attorney, 
Bonnie Willis, who took office in January 2021. What they would like to do is to paint a scapegoat for inaction that they've taken. It is unconscionable the way that our jail is. They've known our jail is in that state. People need to be in safe conditions. But does the DA's office contribute to the problem? According to records from the county clerk's office this past summer, there were 1,232 people inside the jail who have yet to be indicted, about 60 of them waiting more than a year. People now formally charged with a crime waiting for District Attorney Fani Willis's office to take the case to a grand jury to determine charges, while they sit behind bars. People need to be timely indicted, timely tried, and given the opportunity to force the state to prove its case. Atlanta criminal defense attorney Andrew Fleischman criticized the DA on Twitter earlier this year, writing, Willis has been keeping people in jail without trial or even indictment for years. Wright Street has become our very own Gitmo. Fleischman comparing the county jail to the Guantanamo Bay detention camp in Cuba, which has held suspected 9-11 terrorists without trial for decades. You are holding people for long periods of time without charging them with a crime or giving them due process. And that's exactly what happened at Gitmo. That in particular should be a high level point of frustration. This past September, Fulton County Commissioner Bob Ellis raised the issue during a meeting, upset more progress had not been made after allocating $75 million in federal pandemic aid to address it. I mean, collectively, everybody's pissed at the quality, the level of results. What's your reaction to that? That Commissioner Ellis um, is not a supporter of criminal justice, is ignorant, doesn't know what he's talking about most days, is just not really trying to make himself informed of the issues um, or the progress. Commissioners have tried to paint this picture that somehow incarceration and indictment tie hand in hand, and they don't. People arrested for felonies are entitled to be released on bond after 90 days, but that's not a guaranteed get-out-of-jail-free card. If they are not indicted by that time, it means a superior court judge likely determined they were a flight or security risk at their initial bond appearance, not eligible for a bond due to an unrelated pending charge, or they couldn't afford to post bail to be released. The other thing is, in the old administration, they would take whatever the police faxed over and they would simply indict. There was no investigation to it. We changed completely the way we did business, meaning that prior to someone being indicted, we had to actually have the evidence. That sounds novice to people, but they were not doing that. So what about people waiting years in the jail for their trial dates, specifically the 19 who have waited longer than five years? Why is it taking so long to get to trial? So your information also is not complete, but you could have easily pulled it. All, not some, 100% of them have competency issues. They are certainly in custody, but they are in custody at Georgia Regional. Georgia Regional is the state mental health hospital the county uses to treat inmates with mental illness. District Attorney Willis says her office can't prosecute someone until a doctor determines they are competent to stand trial. Until then, some go back and forth from the jail to Georgia Regional for treatment. Lantern News first uncovered seven of the 19 waiting five years behind bars have never been to the hospital. All stuck in legal limbo. When you have people that are so severely mentally ill, 
extremely violent. Um, not someone you want on the street, not someone your neighbor wants on the street. While Willis says her office has made strides reducing the court backlog, it continues to grow. So far this year, pending criminal cases spiked to 23,000, a 28 percent increase since December. The DA says she needs more staff to tackle it. I'm also not going to apologize for saying this office needs adequate resources. We need more investigators and more lawyers and legal uh, support staff that can support them. Coming up, Fulton County's chief judge responds to criticism. He's not doing enough to address the problem. Plus, why the head of the county's commission blames the public for the jail's failures. The voters are at fault in all of this, from my perspective, is your fault. The voters are at fault in all of this, from my perspective, is your fault. That's Fulton County Chairman Rob Pitts blaming the public for problems at Fulton County's jail. But Pitts, who heads the commission responsible for funding the detention center, doesn't stop there. He says elected judges share responsibility, too. I'm hoping that we will have this same lively debate when we get to the money part of this meeting today. The head of Fulton County's commission, Chairman Rob Pitts, says he's tired of allocating millions of tax dollars to address problems at the jail without getting better results. Despite deteriorating conditions while overcapacity for decades. Thursday afternoon, a triple stabbing left one inmate dead and two others injured. To date, we have had 10 deaths in the Fulton County Jail. The Department of Justice is investigating the jail's living conditions. A new, brand new jail is not gonna solve the problem if you don't have good management in that jail. The chairman wants to renovate the current jail instead, saying the detention facility's real problem is rooted in the county's historic court backlog, forcing inmates to wait for trial too long. As of September, hundreds of people were waiting more than a year in jail, dozens of others more than three, innocent until proven guilty, languishing behind bars while they wait for their day in court. Reason for the jail being overcrowded, if we're honest, is that those who are responsible for processing those in jail through the system are not doing their job. The chairman puts most of the blame on two groups of people. First, Fulton County Superior Court judges who are elected. Some work, some do not. Some come to work at 10 o'clock in the morning go to lunch at 12 and play golf. We monitor this. The judges who are working come to my office and tell me which ones are working, which ones are not working. So which judges are we talking about? Well, I can give you a list of them. Each month, the county publishes this chart on its website, identifying how many inmates in the jail are assigned to each judge. As of late August, at least nine of the judges were juggling more than 100 defendants in the jail. I propose let's take an ad in the AJC on a weekly basis, a full-page ad, and list what judges are working and which ones are not. The second set of people Chairman Pitts blames for the jail's crisis? The public. 
The voters are at fault in all of this from my perspective for electing and re-electing the same people. If you get these same results, it's your fault. That might be a hard pill to swallow for viewers and the public thinking, well, we expect you to do better. Don't blame us for simply trusting you to do the job. Not, not the Board of Commissioners. We don't run the jail. We don't indict people. We don't charge people. None of that. We're trying to solve a problem by, by providing the resources, which we have been very generous with. Up next, a prediction about the jail's future from the county's top judge and his response to the chairman's criticism. This particular issue of overcrowding in the jail is a collaborative effort. Hundreds of people inside Fulton County's jail have waited years for their day in court, overcrowding the facility, creating dangerous conditions. The county's chairman blames elected judges for not doing enough to address the problem. We sat down with the court's chief judge to get answers. Motion on the floor is to rescind the contract. Ask the head of Fulton County's commission who's to blame for overcrowding at the jail. Chairman Rob Pitts points to superior court judges and the voters who keep them in office. Some work, some do not. Some come to work at 10 o'clock in the morning, go to lunch at 12 and play golf. We monitor this. The voters are at fault in all of this from my perspective. It's your fault. Any other uh, witnesses, Ms. Bell? Fulton County Chief Superior Court Judge, your old Glanville. What's your response to what he said? Um, well, I would disagree because this particular issue of overcrowding in the jail um, is a collaborative effort. Voters first elected Glanville to the bench in 2005. He's been the chief for about a year. The judge says he and his colleagues on the bench are working hard to move cases along, but they are at the mercy of prosecutors and defense attorneys' ability to get their cases ready. Case in point, there are not enough court-appointed attorneys. These are the lawyers who represent the majority of people in jail who cannot afford to pay for one themselves. It's, it's a problem. I understand it's a problem. This man told the judge in July he sat in the county jail for nearly a year without an attorney. How long have you been in custody? 11 months. And then, about to be 12 months on the 13th of August. August, okay. okay. And has anyone... I'm going to see you. Any, any lawyer? No. Okay. The whole public defender system is just very important because if you don't have public defenders, um, criminal accused, it, it affects their ability to, uh, you know, to, to have adequate representation. Judge Glanville says cases are also held up by the overburdened crime lab at the Georgia Bureau of Investigation which can take months for it to test drugs and firearm ballistics needed before the DA will pursue charges or drop the case. If I'm a defendant and that science will exonerate me or at least give me a better understanding of where I stand with that case, there's nothing I can do until I get that data point. This past December, Judge Glanville signed this order suspending defendants' ability to request speedy trials citing the pandemic and an overwhelming backlog for the reason. It ended in July, but the result, potentially thousands of people unable to move their cases forward for months. Do you think that suspension impacted 
the backlog during that time? I would say so because we were not able to try as many cases um, during the pandemic, given the given the health concerns. So, um, yeah, it, it had an effect. To address the backlog, the judge says his colleagues created a temporary program to fund more court-appointed attorneys. They're also holding court inside the jail on Saturdays, but they need the commission to fund more judge positions. A year from now, what do you think the numbers will be or what do you think the conversation will be? Uh, the conversation will be that these numbers will, have de- will continue to decrease. Are we constitutionally mandated to give you time and opportunity to have your case heard either for a judge or jury? And that's what we're going to continue to do. County commissioners have yet to decide whether they will approve funding for a new jail that could exceed more than a billion dollars. We'll keep you posted. In the meantime, you can watch the full interviews with the sheriff, the DA, the county chairman, and the chief judge in this story on AtlantaNewsFirst.com. Thanks for watching. And Brendan, while I was investigating and producing this piece, Georgia state senators have announced that they plan to investigate the jail problems themselves, holding a hearing in the next few days. Wow. Um, and also... County commissioners have not determined whether they're going to fund a new jail, which could cost more than a billion dollars. You know, Andy, um, a lot of times, you know, investigative reporters were hammers, right? So everything looks like a nail. And when we go to do these interviews, especially accountability interviews, all four of these primary interviews um, that you did with officials were, were accountability interviews. Um, you had some emotional interviews sprinkled in there, but really it was about holding the powerful accountable. Very often when we sit down with officials, we, we treat them with a heavy hand. Again, we're the hammer, they're the nail. And so we fire these sort of rapid fire questions that I, I'm certainly guilty of this, where we ask a question where the question itself is the accountability, no matter how they answer. In this case, you used a very different method. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what was your interview style here in order to extract the truth that you were able to show all of us? Well, I think it just started um, with my initial request. And I'm very transparent before I do any interview, especially interviews with officials seeking some sort of accountability. And and I'm, I sent them a very lengthy email saying, here are my findings and here are the issues that I'd like to bring up as part of the interview. Not all of them said yes immediately. Some took weeks to schedule. Some took. Will you, will you tell us which ones? Well, I'd say that the chief superior court judge was the most difficult to nail down. Yeah, they I, don't like to generally give interviews because they're, you know, they're they're independent arbiters, right? right? So they don't want to share their opinion in an interview. But it sounds like this was important to the chief judge, despite the fact that, you know, there was a lot of blame pointing in all directions. Everyone really. This is important to what they do. Yeah, and and people forget that uh, judges here in Georgia, Superior Court judges, they're elected. So they have to be careful about what they say because uh, them leading a a courtroom in in cases. But at the end of the day, um, I I believe that their voice is important to this conversation because uh, voters put them into office. And we should know a little bit more about their judicial philosophy and and how they approach things and how they're tackling this very complex, big issue impacting a lot of people. You know, again, uh, just to stick on the interview style for a second, I, I just was very impressed you know, I've been a journalist for 34 years, and to see your interview style, the way you were able to get all four officials comfortable enough 
to not only tell on themselves to a degree, but also to sort of point the blame elsewhere. I, I don't want to sensationalize it in any way, but it reminded me of, of a circular firing squad. Everybody had some blame for the others in the story, and there wasn't as much uh, taking of responsibility for each individual's sort of you know, ability to fix this. Um, what you didn't hear was a lot of solutions, right? Or am I, uh, am I imprinting my opinion on this? You know, it, it was a little bit of both. And I actually brought that up in a couple of the interviews, basically saying, hey, you're saying this is the blame. And then the, the DA saying this is the blame. Why is there no consensus of, the, of what is causing this problem? I wanted them to know that I recognized that. And I wanted them to know what their peers, what their folks in the office down the hall or across the street or at the sheriff's office was saying um, about what they were saying was to blame. Um, and it, it is really interesting that there, that there doesn't appear to be a broad consensus. Now, there was some. Um, I think that many of them believe that more judges is needed. Um, but there was a, a consensus of whether a new jail is needed. The, the chairman <laughs> does not want a new jail. He is tired of allocating millions of dollars to a facility that he says um, hasn't gotten any better or a criminal justice system. I mean, uh, last year they allocated $75 million in federal pandemic aid, and and county commissioners are frustrated that more isn't being done. Um, so, yeah, there is a little bit of that circular firing squad situation here. It wasn't my intention to do that. But of course. if you listen to the interviews, in some areas it does appear to be that. But there are some solutions that they are offering. I think the DA says that um, she needs more staff herself. Um, uh, the DA and the judge both said that uh, we need a more robust crime lab um, to test dr drugs and ballistics. The, one of the things that stuck out to me of what the DA said um, is that if, if police give her multiple different types of drugs to test involving one defendant, the GBI's crime lab says it will only test one of them because they're so backlogged. So there may be a defendant that could face numerous different types of charges involving um, drugs that they're not supposed to have in their possession, but she'd only be able to indict them on one of them if they came back positive. The GBI, according to the DA, says they simply don't have the capacity to test all of them. You know, what I sensed from all of the interviews with officials was a level of frustration. Mm -hmm. And while they were blaming different problems, it doesn't mean only one is true. Mm -hmm. Can't they all be true? In other words, it's a compound problem, isn't it? It's the crime lab. It's the DA doesn't have enough funding and prosecutors uh, that the jail doesn't have a better facility and isn't supposed to hold that many people, that the chief judge has a backlog, um, and then also, you know, the big picture, which is your previous investigation, the sixth, which I encourage people to view on AtlantaNewsFirst.com and go to the ANF Investigates tab. You know, in the sixth, you pointed out that people don't have representation. So it's very hard to, you know, go before the judge and get bond when you don't even have an attorney for years right. in some cases. And so is it a compound problem? And is it so complex that there isn't a simple solution. There isn't a, a simple solution. I think the public sometimes wants easy answers to complex uh, problems. What I hope, though, is that these individuals, the power players, the people that we elect to make these big decisions, will actually come back and actually watch these raw interviews with their peers so they can see, they, you know, 
I think the sheriff said that we're all in this together. The, the judge said we're on this together. I don't get the sense that maybe they're communicating as often as um, we think they are. Maybe they are. But here's an opportunity that each one of them can go back and look and, and watch these interviews of each other to really figure out what their level of frustration is, why they're frustrated, what they need in order to get the job done. So maybe we'll see, and I'm hoping, again, the state senators that are investigating this, that are holding a hearing, I hope they do the same, that this this project that we're doing could really be beneficial into narrowing down exactly what is needed to address this problem. You know, and I encourage people right now to go to atlantanewsfirst.com, go to the ANF Investigates tab, and look for the Georgia's Gitmo story. It's also, of course, on our Atlanta News First uh, YouTube page as well. But these are these YouTube I- interviews are actually embedded into the story, mm-hmm. and you should watch them uh, because there's so much more there. As long as this story was, it's almost a teaser for the much, much deeper uh, investigation that that you've done. I do want to ask you one more question, Andy, and that is: um, Was did anything surprise you? And, and, I th- and let me back up and yeah. say that when we're doing these interviews. Um, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like a proxy either for the viewer or sometimes for those who, who are the voiceless or whose voices need to be amplified, that I'm sort of representing them while I'm doing the interview. One, did you feel that way? And two, feeling that way in the interview, did you then respond uh, or, or you know, were you surprised by some of the responses is what I mean? You know, I think the, the thing that I will walk away the most with from this project is meeting the individuals, especially one, uh, Mr. Tolbert, uh, right. the Anthony Tolbert, who was in the jail for four and a half years. And he was waiting, innocent. And he or was innocent. Guilty. He was found innocent. Mm-hmm. We were tracking his case, knowing that he was one of a, a number of individuals inside the jail, waiting years for their court date. Some of them very much believing that they are innocent of what they were accused of, what they were being detained for. And this meet him and in his own words, believing that he is lucky to be alive, being stabbed multiple times. I mean, can you, can you just like imagine having to be in a facility like this, being assaulted for years, ultimately found not guilty, and, and the problem, uh, knowing that the problem still exists and that there are others like him. There's got to be others like him. I know that there are others like him. And, and that, to me, is what I'll walk away with the most, knowing that there are more DeAnthony Tolberts in that jail waiting for their day in court, hoping that they live long enough to get their day in court. Some people are watching this on our live stream or on our YouTube channel um, and or on ANF Plus, uh, but others are listening to this as a podcast right now, and they may want to go see the story. Where can they find it, and what else can they find online, Andy? So we've created a special website within AtlantaNewsFirst.com called Gitmo, George's Gitmo. And in that story, not only do we have the main story and the raw interviews of all the main elected officials that we interviewed for this story, but we have some really cool interactive graphics that you can view to show for instance, 19 individuals who have been in the jail uh, five years or longer waiting for their trial. We've broken down how many of them have, um, for those individuals who have competency issues, how many of them have been in a mental health facility, how many days of their incarceration, and how many days they've been at the jail. All of the all of them have been into in the sheriff's custody the entire time, but I think it's fascinating to look at those individuals who have been in the jail for 
five plus years to find out which ones have competency issues and which ones don't. And I think it will show that we clearly have a mental health issue going on here in this facility and its population and not enough people are getting help. You know, another thing strikes me is that one of the powers of what we do is we take people where they can't otherwise go. Mm -hmm. uh, none of us wants to see the inside of the Fulton County Jail in person. Uh, but as journalists, we get to take them there to show the taxpayers what they're paying for or what they're not getting. Um, I was I am curious. Did the district attorney, Fannie Willis, say she's been inside the jail, like deeply inside the jail to see how it operates? Has the chief judge been inside the jail? Has the chair of the county commissioners been inside the jail? Because if they haven't, then they really don't know what the problem is. And if they have, then they know what it is and it's not getting fixed. I don't know if District Attorney Fonnie Willis has been, but uh, I know her prosecutors have been. She's explained to me that they, she had a colleague that was put in a position where the locks on some of the inmate doors weren't weren't locked and it was a, a very a serious security issue for her she was very concerned for her staff safety um i believe the chairman has been inside he doesn't believe that the jail is nearly as bad as uh as being presented he believes that the only video and only pictures are only being shown of the bad portions of the jail how many people have to die before it's a serious issue i mean if yeah. 10 people are dead in, a, in you know, this yeah. year I mean, it's literally a fatal, yeah. you know, it is a you check in, but you don't check out kind of environment. Right. How bad does it have to get before it's bad enough? And I, I think what he would say based on the interview that I had with him is he's saying it's the, the jail is in bad shape, but we can renovate it. We have to deal with the backlog issue that is creating the dangerous conditions inside. Not only the infrastructure falling apart, but the, the overcrowding. And that's what he'll say. I don't know whether the chief judge has been in, inside the jail, but all of them, with the exception of the chairman, all want a brand new jail. They all believe the county needs a brand new jail. Andy Parati, I cannot thank you enough for this kind of reporting. Uh, it is exactly our mission uh, to hold the powerful accountable, to elevate smaller voices, to try to advocate for uh, solutions. It's an extraordinary series of reports. I encourage everyone listening and watching to go to atlantanewsfirst.com, go to ANF Investigates or Georgia Gitmo, uh, Georgia's Gitmo, to see uh, this extraordinary reporting, which I know, Andy, you're not going to quit on this story until you get it fixed, which means you're going to be on it for some time. Thanks so much for being here. I'm Chief Investigator, uh, Chief Investigative Reporter Brendan Keefe with Atlanta News First Investigates.